Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the Bible Explained podcast. This week I have been uh, rearranging my office because even though I moved in to the house last year, my office was still not set up. And so finally I am getting it set up and I'm just really excited to uh, potentially work in my new office, which is going to be a benefit, I think, for the YouTube channel. One of the reasons I don't like recording YouTube videos right now is because I have a toilet behind me. That's not a joke. (laughs) So my office has a bathroom in it, which is great. I love that. But uh, if I keep the door open, all you can see is the toilet behind me. And I'm just like, this this isn't working for me. So if you notice in my YouTube videos, I always try to like angle my camera away from the bathroom or I have the bathroom door shut because no one needs to see a toilet in the back of my YouTube videos. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I am rearranging my office and getting it all set up completely, getting rid of some garbage that I had in here. And hopefully the YouTube videos will be nicer because I'm going to have a backdrop of a wall behind me instead of a backdrop of a toilet. So yeah, follow the YouTube channel. I'll be updating that soon. You'll find it in the bio of the podcast episode. Go ahead and subscribe over on the YouTube channel and I'll be putting out more content that is just for the YouTube channel in the future. So make sure you don't miss out. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 12 today. I'll be reading out the World English Bible version or the WEB. Feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of and your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. And let's go ahead and start reading. Once again, that's Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 12 today. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to Yahweh your God. For in the month of Abib, Yahweh your God brought you out of Egypt by night. You shall sacrifice the Passover to Yahweh your God of the flock and the herd in the place which Yahweh shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. You shall eat unleavened bread with it seven days and even the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste that you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. No yeast shall be seen with you in all of your borders for seven days. Neither shall any of the meat which you sacrificed the first day at the evening remain all night until the morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, which Yahweh your God gives you. But at the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell in, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun, at the season that you came out of Egypt." You shall roast and eat it in the place which Yahweh your God chooses. In the morning you shall return to your tents. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to Yahweh your God. You shall do no work. You shall count for yourselves seven weeks. From the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain, you shall begin to count seven weeks. You shall keep the feast of weeks to Yahweh your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give according to how Yahweh your God blesses you. You shall rejoice before Yahweh your God, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you, in the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. You shall observe and do these statutes. So the month of Abib was the first month on the Jewish calendar. And that was the month that God brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt miraculously. 
And God is telling his people during all of this, during verses one through eight, rather, that they should remember this glorious thing that God did for them. I think this can definitely parallel to us now. There's many things that even Jesus told us to do to remember him. For example, communion. We take communion to remember Jesus. So that's consistent throughout scripture. In many ways, God does command us to remember him. Because we're so bad at that, I feel like like humans in general are just terrible at remembering God. Like the second a, a new problem arises, we forget about the old stuff God has done for us. So I think one of the reasons God was telling his people to keep the Passover was because that would be something that they could remember, this glorious event basically that God did for his people, that they would remember every single year. And that would help them continue to love God, continue to trust in God, and continue to believe that God was there with them. Because if God helped them so many years before by delivering them out of Egypt, and they keep remembering that over and over and over, then of course, they're going to remember that God in the future can deliver them, can help them, is there for them, all that stuff. So this kind of brings me to the question, should Christians celebrate Passover? I've gone back and forth on this one so many times. And I think this really depends on who you are as an individual. If you want to celebrate Passover, then by all means, celebrate Passover. And anybody that tells you, oh, because you're a Christian and not a Jewish person, you can't celebrate Passover. To me, that's absolute bullcrap, <laughs> for lack of a better word, because we have the Old Testament. We worship Yahweh God the same as the Jewish people do. So I do think that, yes, if if you're a Christian and you want to celebrate Passover, then by all means, I think that you should have the right to celebrate Passover. But according to the New Testament, I don't know how necessary it really is, though, for us to celebrate Passover. But I'm going to pull up a verse here from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that talks about our Passover. And when I say our, that means yours and mine, modern day Christians in a sense. What is our Passover? Because it's different than what the Old Testament Israelites would have to celebrate. So here's what 1 Corinthians 5 verses 6 through 8 has to say. This is also out of the WEB. It says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole lump? Purge out the old yeast that you may be a new lump, even as you are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed in our place. Therefore, let's keep the feast, not with old yeast, neither with the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Really, I think what this is discussing is how Christians nowadays are supposed to celebrate Passover. We know that based upon Deuteronomy 16, what we just read, that the Israelites of old would have to get rid of all of the yeast out of their houses. That was one of the ways they celebrated Passover because yeast was a, a representation of sin. So when they physically removed all the yeast out of their households, that was like a picture of how they are like getting rid of the sin out of their households. But in 1 Corinthians 5, it talks about purging out the old yeast from your heart instead of like physically from your houses. You're supposed to purge it out of your heart so that you can become unleavened is what it says here in verse 
7. And the author of 1 Corinthians 5 even goes on to say how we, us Christians, are supposed to keep the Passover feast. It says that we are supposed to keep the feast, not with old yeast, and not with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So once we purge this yeast, I suppose, out of our hearts, rather the sin out of our hearts, we get rid of all this malice and wickedness. That is how we celebrate Passover. Christ is, in fact, our Passover. Christ is your Passover. And the best way to celebrate Passover as a Christian is just by following Christ and by doing what Christ wants us to do. And obviously, one of the things Christ wants us to do is to live a life away from sin, though that's not always <laughs> that's not always possible because we live here on earth and we are sinners. But to do our best to live a life that is free from sin, to live a life that is holy and to walk the same path that Jesus walked in as best as we possibly can. And in that way, we remove the yeast from our hearts, from our lives. And that is how we celebrate Jesus, our Passover. And by doing that, that's also a way that we can remember Jesus. Because if we're constantly trying to live a life that is pleasing to Jesus, we have him on our minds all the time at that point. So yeah, we're remembering Jesus, our Passover, by trying to live a life that is holy. Now, the New Testament doesn't say whether or not Christians should specifically celebrate the holiday of Passover the way God tells the Israelites to do it in Deuteronomy 16. The Bible doesn't actually say if Christians should or should not celebrate the feast. So I'm not going to say, since the, the scriptures don't say, I'm not going to say whether or not I think you should celebrate Passover or not. I do believe that because Jesus is now our Passover, the holiday has been changed, has been fulfilled. So maybe we don't have to celebrate it. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I do know Christians who like to celebrate Passover or like to observe it. And I think that that is great also. Because either way, you're remembering Jesus, you're remembering God, you're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for you because Passover is at the same time as Easter. So, I mean, really, I don't see any problem with Christians wanting to celebrate Passover. In fact, I think it could be good in certain uh, circumstances. But going back to Deuteronomy 16, it says that you may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, which Yahweh your God gives you, but at the place which Yahweh your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell in, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at evening, at the going down of the sun, at the seasons that you, or I'm sorry, at the season that you came out of Egypt. So yeah, this is once again, God telling his people, like, you got to go to the place that I tell you to go to. Don't just, you know, celebrate it in your own home. Don't just butcher the, the animal in your backyard and sacrifice it to me there. That's actually a rule that's repeated a lot. God was very clear to his people that they should not sacrifice the animals in their own backyards, mainly because I think the priests a were the ones that were supposed to handle all of that because the priests were set apart. They were holy. And, you know, the, the sacrifice would have been a very holy thing. So the priests were supposed to handle it. But also it was kind of to get them, I guess, out of the house and also to Make them obedient to go to the place that God wanted them to go, not just to be lazy and like do it in the backyard, but to actually go to church in a sense and do it there because that was God's place of worship 
was the temple. So he wanted his people to get out of their houses and go worship instead of doing it lazily. And I mean, I could definitely speak on that for a second (laughs) or more than a second. I think this whole thing with like online church, it's great. And I think it's, it has its, its purpose and some people definitely need it, especially those who really can't get out of the house and are sick or anything like that. But unfortunately, I've also seen it used as a very lazy way to not have to go to church. But God commands it. Even though we have modern conveniences like online church, it is not something that we should fall back on every single week because that is in a sense, anti-biblical because God does say to go and fellowship with other people. And that's commanded all throughout scripture. People are very important. God wants us to build each other up. He wants us to be built up by other people. And yeah, so he tells his people, don't just be lazy and sacrifice that animal in your backyard, but go to the place that I tell you to go. Then in verse eight, six days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to Yahweh your God. You shall do no work. So there's God giving his people another day off, another uh, day that they just go and worship God instead of going and working. I think in our American society here, people have a very hard time taking time off because we're so worried about what's not going to get done. And really, it's a step of faith for us to be able to take time off when we're so busy to go and worship God or to spend time with other people or to fellowship at church or to spend time with family. It really is a step of faith to be able to do that, to be like, you know what? God knows best. God knows that I'm busy and I'm going to trust that he's going to help me get things done, even though um, even though I'm so busy that I, I feel like I can't take any time off. That's what it boils down to here in verse eight is God tells his people not to do any work. And that was him asking his people to step out in faith, that the work will get done at some point in time and that he will help them get that work done. But now we move into this holiday called the Feast of Weeks. This was seven weeks after the time of the standing grain. (laughs) So this would be about sometime in the spring that this holiday was celebrated. Now, this was a different holiday than Passover because Passover was more solemn. Passover was um, remembering God. But the Feast of Weeks was like the joyous occasion. And it was just like a huge celebration. It was a lot of fun. And it was another holiday God was putting in place for his people to take some time off to relax and to have fun and to enjoy life. I think enjoying life is something that we don't do enough of. (laughs) We're so depressed anymore. Like, I feel like people are just so depressed. I think also like Christians sometimes have this idea that we shouldn't enjoy life because it's almost like sinful if we do. But I don't think that's necessarily true. God gave us life and God is literally the definition of life. Like without God, we don't have life. So it is cool to celebrate life. We should celebrate and have fun and enjoy life. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And even when we move into books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, who were written by uh, King Solomon, even King Solomon says an honorable thing in life is to be able to enjoy 
your hard work to be able to eat, drink, and be merry, basically. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. And I think God was putting this holiday in place, this Feast of Weeks, to show his people that it's okay to celebrate. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy life because God's the one that really did give us life. And that's a cool thing to celebrate. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm not going to talk too much. I'm just going to let you all go with a happy listening and God bless. Bless.